Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. into God's word today. Revelation chapter three, verses seven and eight is the scripture we'll be using. But last week, I just want to kind of kind of take you back just for a moment before I get into some new content. And we, we talked about the GPS and mapping systems, and we talked a little bit of, a little bit about that. That you you know when you use your your maps program, there's a woman on there or whoever you choose to tell you where to go, right? And maybe you don't know where you're going, you don't know your destination, but there's a lady's voice on there and she, she tells you and gives you direction and instructions. And also, um, you know, sometimes she'll get quiet and you think, am I going the right direction? If she gets quiet, you just keep going straight. And I think, uh, you know, when you're getting ready to tur- uh, approach a turn, then she, her voice gets out in front of you. And so she speaks in front of you. And as she speaks in front of you, you can prepare yourself for the turn that's coming or the transition or the door that's getting ready to open. And so I really feel like that that's a really good picture of how the Lord does things with us. He doesn't just talk, right? And sometimes in the silent times, we wanna to try to figure out the plan. Don't try to figure out the plan, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't try to create your own plan in the middle of it. You know, that's what Abraham did, and he created Ishmael. God said, I'll give you a son. He tried to do it himself, and he got Ishmael. He's not even mentioned outside of him being a son of Abraham. And so the the the, the point is that God doesn't just talk, he talks to give directives. He's, he's your guidance system. God doesn't just talk to talk, he talks with purpose. And in Revelation chapter three is the verse we used last week, is Jesus said this, Jesus said, I hold the, the key of David in my hand. The doors that I unlock and open, no one else can close. Come on, somebody. In other words, that's, it's a God door, not a man door. <clears throat> and any doors that I shut and lock, no one will ever be able to open. Now I know everything you have done, so look, I'm placing before you an open door and no one can shut. I know that you are not very strong, but you've kept my word and you've been faithful to me. He's addressing the church at Philadelphia and he's saying to them, he's complimenting them. He's not not downgrading them. When he's talking about little strength, he's talking with the reference of you've been faithful. He said, you've done all you can do, you've exhausted all your options, in, in the best way you could, you, you did everything you could. You obeyed what I asked you to do. Literally, it says you did not die, deny my name. That means you never told me no. What if that was our life? What if we get to heaven and God said, you know what? You never denied my name. In other words, you never told me no. I saw you at that restaurant and I gave you instructions and you didn't tell me no. You went ahead and talked to that person. What if our life was, was centered around that? Even, even, and so he begins, to, he begins to encourage them. He says, you did things that, that, that I, I ask you to do, and when they hurt you, you bless them. When, when, you hurt, when they hurt you or they, they, they cursed you, you blessed them. When, you, when they hurt you, you forgave them, and you took what I gave you, and you gave it away, and you gave it anyway. And he encourages them, and he's telling them this. You're coming to a place where you are ending. You've done all you know to do. You've given all your strength, and he says, this, this is it. I'm coming in and I'm stepping in and I'm gonna give you a door of opportunity. He opens the door for this church. And I really believe that this year, in 2023, we're living in this season where we cannot miss 
our moment. We cannot miss our opportunity. We cannot miss the door that God has placed in front of us this year, whatever that is for your life. And so I'm going to give you a few things about understanding the power of God's doors in your life today. Number one is this, every door is a decision. Last week we talked about every door as an opportunity. So if, if doors are opportunities, then every door requires a decision. And if every door is a decision, then every door requires discernment. Let me say it again. If, if doors are opportunities, God opens this door for you, and he gives you this opportunity, then there has to be a decision to make. God creates opportunities for you. He does not do the opportunity. You have to seize the opportunity, and you have to step into the opportunity in order for the opportunity to be, to be uh, taken, and you receive the blessing from those opportunities. Now, the hard part about doors is the discernment side. And a lot of times what we do is we get in that place, and we have a decision to make, and we want to rush because it looks good. Come on, man. Not every door is pretty. Not every door is filled with just, woo, it's going to be so easy, and I'm going to walk, huh, I'm going to. I'm gonna go through this door and it's gonna, it's gonna be wonderful. This door's gonna be great. But listen to me today, not all doors are pretty. Doesn't mean they're not God doors because they're not pretty. Listen, you gotta be very careful at looking for God doors in your life that only have glitter on them. Come on, talk to me. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm a talk back kind of guy, so you can talk back to me. It's not interrupting. You will not have to sit in the back of the classroom today. Come on, somebody. The point is this, is that a lot of times we think, well, it's so good, it must be God. Not necessarily. That's why you have to have discernment. So number one is every door is a decision. Number two, our destiny will be shaped by the doors we walk past and the doors we walk through. Let me say it again. Our, 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 uh, uh, our, our life and our destiny will be shaped by the doors we walk past and the doors that we walk through. Deuteronomy says this, verse thirty. Uh, uh, chapter 30, verse 15 says, today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success or death and disaster. I think sometimes in this doctrine of sovereignty of God, we remove the idea of choice from it and God's gonna do whatever he wants to do. Well, that's not a biblical nature of sovereignty of God. God gave Adam a choice all the way at the beginning. He gave Adam and Eve a choice at the beginning. He said, you can have all this, but don't choose that. Right, He gave them a choice. There was free will. Sin came in. And now we have a choice. He says here, he says, you choose life. So in other words, life and success and God doors is not up to God. It's up to you. Come on, man. If you're not successful, that's not a God problem. That's a you problem. Because God's plan for your life is success. He said, the problem is you've chosen the wrong door. He says, you've walked past the doors that I put in your life and you've not walked through the doors that I put in your life. You made a decision to choose death and disaster. But listen, here's what happens. We make the decision for death and disaster, and then we blame God for death and disaster. Come on, somebody. God says, I've set before you, it's your choice. You walk through it. It's up to you. Number three is, or sorry, I'm not done with number two yet. I'm going to keep going. There's something called discernment. We talked about that just a minute ago. We need discernment. Here's what discernment is. I added this this morning. It's a decision-making process in which an individual makes a discovery that can lead to future action. So you're sitting there looking at two doors or two opportunities, and you know you have to make a decision. You need Holy Spirit discernment. That's why it's important for you to have your relationship with God strong. 
Again, we're preparing before the door gets here. That's what we talked about last week. We're preparing before the door gets here. So if we're preparing before the door gets here, when the door arrives, now all of a sudden we're filled with the Holy Spirit and the word of God and we can sit with God and allow him to discern what door we should walk through. We're not trying to get our relationship with God right and these opportunities come and we try to figure it out. No, God says you have to prepare yourself and you'll walk into discernment. Discernment is a process by which God helps an individual reach the best decision. The word discernment literally comes from a Latin word and it means to separate or set apart. So what that literally means is it is the ability to separate from good from evil, from falsehood, wisdom from foolishness, and it's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're gonna walk through doors in your life and opportunities that come, and you're gonna cease the moment, you gotta live in a place of discernment. You gotta allow the Holy Spirit to be your guide. Our destiny will be shaped by the doors we walk past and the doors we walk through. through. Number three, a door may be three things. Number one, it may be an opportunity from God. We talked about this. It may be an opportunity from God. First Corinthians, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Next week, I'll be talking about doors and adversaries because listen, you can't have big doors without big devils. Come on, man, you can't have big doors without big adversity. You're going to have adversity. We're gonna tackle that next week. The point is, he's telling them here, he says, there's a great and effective door has opened to me. There's been this opportunity from God, but there's many adversaries around it. So it may be an opportunity from God. A door may be, number two, a distraction from others. A distraction from others. Here's what what John 4 says. I was reading this, and I thought, man, this is a perfect picture, especially for fasting. Verse 27 says, just then his disciples came back, They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? So he had just had the encounter with the woman at the well. She goes, and verse 28 says, so the woman uh, left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So there's this big move of God that takes place. This woman gets saved, gives her heart to the Lord. Like she lays her water pop down. She goes into the city. Uh, she, she was known around the town as somebody that got around with the, with the men. And he, she went back and said, come see a man. Now, look what the disciples do. There's just this, there's this encounter and the disciples are not there. It says this, they went out of the town and were coming to verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, Eat. Verse 32 says, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So in other words, Jesus was trying to communicate. The disciples were saying, hey, bro, you've been working hard today. You need a burger. Come on. You needed some manicotti. Hey, come on, somebody. You need some chicken tacos or something. Hey, glory to God. Just naming all my favorites. <laughs> and, and, and so... They say, listen, you need to eat. And Jesus, they're trying to distract him with food. Remember, Jesus says this in Matthew 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So they're trying to distract him with food. And and they say, listen, Rabbi, eat. And he says, I have food to eat that you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him something to eat? So they thought, well, maybe somebody slipped some Chick-fil-A into him. It was probably Sunday. Amen. So he didn't get Chick-fil-A. 
had to scuttle for had to scuttle had to scuttle for skyline. Come on, somebody. So, so he had to have, he had to have skyline. And so he says he says so the disciples said to one, "Has anyone brought him something to eat?" And Jesus said to them, "This is what he says: My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, and to accomplish His work." In other words, the God door that was in front of him was not about food. That was a distraction to the mission. He was trying to tell these guys, listen, you're distracting me with a meal, but I'm on a mission. He said, you're distracting me with this food, but I'm on a mission. They were trying to give him this story, and it says this. I'm going to keep reading verse 35. Then he says to them, he like totally turns it on them. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. In other words, there is a mission and it's harvest. He had just got done with this woman and God had revolutionized her life. She left her water pot. She's now living with living water and he's trying to communicate to these guys, your food is a distraction. It's not the door of God right now. The door of God is the harvest. Come on, somebody. How many of us are distracted with something other than the mission of God for our life? A door may be a distraction from others. It says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered for their labor. Listen, distractions delay God's will for your life. I'm gonna talk next week about enemies. Now, people are not your enemy, but the enemy uses people to distract you. He says that it comes, sometimes doors are distractions from other people. And so, number two, it may be a door. Number three is this, it may be a trap from Satan. It may be a trap from Satan. A door may be a trap from Satan. Again, Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Peter, and Jesus says to him, he says, hey guys, Hey guys, he's hanging out with his, his fellows and he says, who do men say that I am? And they're like, oh man, some say you're John the Baptist, some you're Elijah, you know, you're a carpenter, all that stuff. That's who they say you are. And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? Peter's like, shoot, I got this one. You know, Peter was the same one. He like, when it was time to get notified or noticed, he'd step up. So Peter'd step up and be like, hey, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You didn't know I could rap just a little bit. <clears throat> And, he, and, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, bro, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven, that's awesome. A few, few verses later, Jesus says, I gotta go to Jerusalem. Peter says, ha, 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 you ain't going nowhere, bro. You ain't going to Jerusalem if I got anything to say about it. Now the guy, just a few verses earlier, said, thou art the Christ. Now all of a sudden, Peter is saying, no, you can't go to Jerusalem. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, how many of you know if you were Peter, you were like, hold on a minute. You just call me the devil? No, what he was saying was there was something behind him that was trying to get him to stop the mission. And it was a satanic trap. So he went from a revelation of God to, oh, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. And he's like, get behind me, devil. All of a sudden, there was a trap, and Satan, a door, can be a trap from Satan. That's why you need discernment. Some of you think, well, this relationship, you want me to get into that right now? You want me to get into it later? I'll get into it later. All right, number four. Number four is an open door from God will not contradict his word. 
will not contradict his word. You're like, you mean I can find the door of God for my life in his word? Absolutely. A door, an open door from God will not contradict his word. For example, a disgruntled marriage. Maybe your marriage today is terrible. Don't look, don't, don't. If your spouse is with you, don't be looking. Just stay focused right here on pastor, right here. All right, you'll live long and prosper. All right, maybe your, maybe your marriage is disgruntled and maybe your wife or, you know, she's always not, she's not encouraging you and she's, she's uh, putting you down or you're constantly arguing and there's just, just constant conflict, right? And you're like, there's no peace in my home. We're constantly fighting. We're constantly arguing. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden you go, to, you go to the office and there's a lady there that seems to be encouraging you. Now, you got this disgruntled marriage going on. I'm going right into this. You guys ready? I'm going right into it. And there, there she is. She, oh, you, you are so wonderful. Oh, look at you, man. Look at you. You do your job so well. You're so good. And she, she's encouraging you. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, wait a minute. Huh. And over time, what happens is, is you get emotionally attached to the woman at work. And you're like, well, this must be a door of opportunity. <laughs> All of a sudden now, you're emotionally connected to another woman that's not your wife. Can I tell you something this morning? You think affairs start in the bed. Affairs start in the emotional realm. Adultery starts in your mind. We'll talk about that later. But there's this, there's, so now all of a sudden you're attached to this woman and you're like, you know what? The grass is greener on the other side. I could just leave it. This is an open door of God. This woman's crazy. I ain't got no time to try to deal with this. I'm gonna go with this woman. You know what? And all of a sudden you're like, the grass is greener on the other side. Can I tell you something? The grass ain't greener on the other side. The only place the grass is green is where you water it. So if you're, if, if, let me say that again. Some of you are like, wait, what? hold on. He's talking about adultery and stuff and all this emotional stuff. Listen, listen, that the grass may look like it's greener on the other side, but the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence because the grass is greener where you water it. If you would spend more time cultivating your marriage than complaining about it, maybe it would be different. See, that office relationship that you're emotionally connected to, do you realize you're in adultery right now with your emotions? You need to repent before God. If you're our guest today, it's normally not this strong, but amen, here we are. If you need to repent before God, you better figure it out. Well, I got these kids and she's this and, and this, that, and the other, and you try to justify it. You can't justify it biblically. You gotta get into this word. So that's not an open door. In other words, an open door from God will not contradict his word because that won't contra that's contradicting his word. I've never met a couple and a marriage that's, that, that when the two people have the demeanor of serving each other, that there's a bad marriage there. It's when it's flipped. It's when, oh, she must serve me or he must serve me. It's when, I've never, like, you, you as a, you're serving the other person. And you're like, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What would you like for me to do? And the other person's like, what would you like to do? What would you like to do? How many know serving each other creates a fantastic relationship? And your marriage could be different. 
if you focused on it. And here's another good point for you, that if you're going to heal your marriage, you might not wanna focus on your spouse too much. You might wanna start with you. If you ever sat across the table at a counseling session with me and we're like, oh, my chair, I'd be like, hey, hey, bro, uh-uh. We're gonna start with you. Amen, we're gonna start with you. And if you can start with you and you can start to change your demeanor and you start to change, then all of a sudden, God will change your marriage. Now, that's just an example. <laughs> that's just an example. It's an open door from God will not contradict his word. Matthew 4, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So an open door from God is gonna confirm his word. It's not gonna contradict his word. It's not gonna cause you to do something outside of the Bible. Number five, number five, sometimes God shuts doors for my protection. Sometimes God shuts doors for my protection. Listen, stop trying to open doors God shut. Why are you trying to force a door open that God shut for you? You don't realize what's on the other side of that door. Some of you, it's a relationship. God shut the door on the relationship. Why? Because there was problem. There was something that was not gonna be well on the other side of that door. So stop trying to force it. Stop trying to force that relationship. Start to move away from it. Ask God what he has next for you. So God, sometimes God shuts doors for your protection. Genesis 7, 16 says, then God shut the door. God shut the door to the ark is the passage Right, he saved Noah, he protected his family on the ark when the flood came. God shut the door. Some of you have had opportunities in your work where they haven't panned out like you thought and there was a door that was shut and you no longer work at the place you worked. God shut a door, listen to me today, where God shuts a door, pay a close attention because he will open another one. Come on, man. He, so pay attention, he will open another one. Number six is this, I got, just got two more and I'm finished. Number six, God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. You're like, oh, I need a door from God, I want this opportunity, I wanna, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. Start opening somebody else's door. God says that God will open doors for you if I open doors for others. Sometimes the next door that God has for your life is connected to your generosity. Well, you guys are quiet today. You must. Re- you want me to go back to point five because you guys are kind of musing right there for just a minute. Point four. The point is, is that sometimes the next door has for your life is connected to your generosity. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, "A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." It's a perfect place to join a serve team. If you want to be refreshed and you want God to open doors for you, get to serving. This is what happened to me. I left one church and was going to another church because I, was, I dealt with some stuff at one church and had the, the church was tripping and crazy and the pastor was tripping and crazy. and So I was working for him and I left because he was tripping and crazy. So I took out of that scene. I was the youth pastor, my first job, time on the job. And I was like, dear God, this don't look anything like this. I mean, this was like the world. And so anyway... I came out of that. I ain't going back into it. So I left that church bitter six months, went to Living Word. God healed me for six months and got the bitterness out of me, and I started serving. My wife looked to me, and I'd always complain. Well, I ain't nobody asking me to be in ministry. She'd be like, won't you shut up? And won't you go serve? And she's like, won't you go clean the, clean the church? Go clean the church. That's what you need to do. Get your butt up in the morning and go clean the church. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I got up and I started cleaning the church, Tuesday and Thursday, 6 a.m., 400 seats. I ran the vacuum cleaner all through the church, through everything. Church people were nasty. 
They leave their trash. Man, you should try to clean a bathroom after a church service. Gross. It's worse than some bars I've been in. Come on, somebody. And so you're like, because we were in the bar that you were in. Now we're at church. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so, you, so I'd, I'd run the sweeper. And I'd do that every morning. I did that for a while. And then I started getting involved with students. I started ministering to students. And then I started serving with our, our, our next steps path. And I started doing that. And before long, Pastor hired me. I went on staff there. But it started with me just serving. I just wanted to be a blessing to somebody else. I wanted to open the door for somebody else. And if I open the door for somebody else, God will take care of the doors that he has for my life. Serving after serving after volunteering and giving and serving and serving, God continues to open doors in my life. It's the same for you. When you learn to open doors for others, God will open doors for you. Job says it this way, I have never turned away a stranger, but have opened my doors to everyone. That's why some of you need to be a small group leader. You need to open up your house just to open up your house, right? You're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to clean it. I'm going to have to clean it. I'm going to have to clean it. Yeah, open the door for someone else. Somebody else needs that relationship. Somebody else needs that connection in a group. So a door, God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. And number seven is God will crack the door on your future long enough before you're ready to walk through it. Why? To inspire you to grow. In other words, you can't see the full door. If you're a college kid, high school kid, this applies to you. You see these little cracks in the doors of opportunity that comes, but you can't see the whole future. And God, God um, it's, it's like there's this, this frustration that's created in you. And you see the door, and it's not open all the way yet. The reason God just cracks the door on opportunity sometimes is so you'll grow. This happened to me my entire life as a leader. I know when I'm at a door and I see the crack, the opportunity, God doesn't want to just fling the door open. He wants me to grow through it. So I begin to read books. I begin to listen to podcasts. I begin to ask other people. I begin to get into cohorts and, and think tanks and masterminds and spend my time learning and growing as a leader because if we're gonna walk through this door, I'm gonna have to be ready for it. So God opens these doors and God will crack the door of your future just long enough before you're ready to walk through it to inspire you to grow. Habakkuk 2 and 3 says this. God says this. The things that I am planning for you won't happen right away. Boy, that's encouraging. God, you mean to tell me that I can't force this? No. He said, but slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely Come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Come on, somebody. That's God's promise for you today. That God's timing is not your timing. We want God to fit into our box, and God says, I'm just going to crack the door a little bit for you, and I need you to grow. I'll gradually open the door more. As you grow more, you'll have more opportunities. Some of you are not preparing with growth and you think you should walk through a big door before you're prepared to walk through it. I deal with a lot of younger people and they think that. They think they should start at the top making all that change. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't work that way, right? You start somewhere. There's humble beginnings. You learn, you grow, you get inspired and door after door after door. As you grow, doors open. But if you stay the same, the door stays shut or you'll only see a glimpse of that door. 
And so this morning, I just want to give you a couple, couple steps, a couple steps this morning as we close. Number one is this. Number one is this. Learn discernment to know which doors to walk through. This is, this is a takeaway for you. Number one, I want you to learn discernment to know which doors to walk through. This was Paul praying for the Philippians. He says, this is my prayer for you, that your love will keep growing more and more with knowledge and greater discernment so that you will be able to make the right choices. Number two, learn courage to walk through the right doors. Learn courage to walk through the right doors. First Chronicles 28, 20 says, David's advice to Solomon was be strong and courageous and get to work. Don't be frightened by the size of the task for the Lord God is with you. He will not fail or forsake you. He will see it to that everything is finished correctly. Learn courage to walk through the right doors. And then finally, learn how to open doors for others. First Peter 4, 9 says, open your home to others and show hospitality without grumbling about it. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received from God to serve others. So if we're gonna walk through the power of these doors that God places in our life, we're gonna have to learn discernment, we're gonna have to learn courage, and we're gonna have to learn, we're gonna have to learn how to open doors for others. And God will take care of you. God's gonna take care of you. Matthew 6 says, if he takes care of the little birdies, he's gonna take care of you. Don't fret about it. Don't fret about what doors, this, that, and the other. Just focus on your relationship with Christ. Prepare yourself the best way you know how. And when that door begins to open, you'll know, God will put it in your heart. You'll know which one you're supposed to walk through. Some of you have job choices you're gonna have to make in 2023. Some of you, listen, don't rush. You better be ready for the opportunities that come and pray. And ask the Lord, Lord, what is it? How do you want me to go? Which direction do you want me to go? And when he tells you and you feel that discerning nudge, then go ahead and take the step and he'll take care of you. I promise when you cannot fail following God's voice for your life, when you discern it, he'll lead you into the place of blessing. He'll lead you into the place of increase and he'll lead you into the place of influence like you've never had before when you follow the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. If in this place today you say, Pastor Jason, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life or I need to come back to the Lord. I've walked away from God. And, and you've, you've not lived in that place of where the Lord wants you to live. And, and maybe today you say, Pastor, I need to make that decision. I need to come home to the Lord. I need to make a decision to follow Jesus today. If you're in this room, we're not gonna call you forward, but I just wanna pray with you. I wanna know who you are. Maybe you're facing some doors and you're like, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Listen to me today. Look, you need to start with the door. The first decision you have to make is your relationship with Christ. When you make that decision to say yes to Christ, all of a sudden things begin to change in your life and God begins to change you. So if you're in this place today, you say, Pastor, I want to step through the first door, which is my relationship with Christ. If that's you, we do me a favor. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward or anything weird. Just, I want to pray for you. If you're in this room, you say, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand back there. Who else? Anybody else want to say yes to Christ this morning? If you're watching online today, just go ahead and type the word yes in the comments. We want to pray for you today. Church family, we have somebody that wants to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says that all of heaven 
is sitting on the edge of heaven right now, ready to rejoice when this person says yes. When this person comes back to make that decision for Jesus today, that today all of heaven is going to rejoice. So let's pray. The Bible says it's, I'll leave the 99 to find the one. So let's pray this morning together as a church family. Let's pray this and let's believe it in our hearts. Let's believe it from the Lord today. Let's ask the Lord to do this in this person's life today. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to raise from the dead for me. Today, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to make me a new creature. Old things pass away and all things become new. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for making me a brand new person today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap, everybody. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.